0: Geek shock. shock
1: Full disclosure, that's what I'm looking for Full disclosure
2: <laughs> Okay, yeah. I, I don't know why But okay
1: yeah, It says recording the call, yeah, now I know
2: You're right, There there is no secret callings when yeah. Knowing is half the battle this... Thank you, <laughs> thank you, GI Joe.
3: Appreciate oh, yeah. it.
2: <laughs> it's a oh. geek
3: comparative. Uh, it's,
2: yes, it is kind of. A, that was kind of a real genius reference in a way. Yeah, I'll accept it. Mm-hmm. You better, but but yeah. it's it, but it is pushing it.
1: I have seen Holly fold in his pajamas. <laughs>
2: yeah, that makes all of us. Oh yeah. Welcome, folks, to Geek Shock number 566. I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. Uh,
1: longtime listener, first time caller, fact checked Andy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and we're here to talk Weak and geek. Uh, that, was, that was good. Yeah, we, we do have Andy this week. Uh, unfortunately, due to some internet issues this week, we did not uh, get to have Matt on the show, but he should be back with us next week. So we'll have the gang all back together for your listening enjoyment.
1: And I may even sound better next
2: week. We'll find out. That would be great, too. But in the meantime, it's great to have you back, Andy. We've missed you. I know I've missed you. I guess I can't speak for everybody. Todd has
0: missed you.
1: (laughs) 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 I like like, uh, Kay's blue wizard is hungry. Delivery.
2: Andy, how you been holding up?
1: Uh it's it's not been easy but i'm still here i'm still alive things are moving along
2: uh, we certainly have been enjoying your uh your photo journey that you've been oh. taking us down on the shock monkey's lair
1: i'm so aware of the uh rivers of the upper connecticut river valley
2: i'll, I'll bet you have explored the area by now i'm sure uh,
1: yeah i know where all the secret stuff is
2: there's so a remarkable
1: we're... number of haunted house looking places and, and abandoned factories and at least two uh, abandoned mental institutions I've found. Oh, wow. Oh, boy. Now,
2: yeah. when you say found, have you gone in them?
1: Uh, I haven't because I'm talking along an 86-year-old man who doesn't walk very well.
2: Maybe yeah, that's so a no, good he, parkour.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, he's, he's in, in, and he's definitely, uh, you know, he, he wouldn't get past the first monster.
3: So what you're saying, Andy, is you've found places to hide the bodies.
1: Oh, absolutely. I'm sure there's bodies in there already.
2: So you've explored the area around you.
1: From, mostly from the car, yes. but Okay. Yeah.
2: So We've are you going to branch out from there, or are you just going to stay and continue to explore the places you explored, but a little deeper?
1: Uh, it's going to be a matter of my dad's energy level. Earlier in the year, he was a little stronger. He's since gotten a little weaker, and he can't, doesn't like, he can't, yeah. Sorry, I'm trying to say this politely. He doesn't travel as well as he did. But uh, In the last few weeks, he's, uh, I can't get as far as I used to get. In the spring, when I only thought I was here for a few weeks, we went to every town in Connecticut, which does involve driving several hours to get down to the far ends of it. Lately, uh, the last couple of weeks, we've just been doing loops within a couple hours of you know, the house. We, we would drive, drive out an hour and back an hour pretty much.
2: So how you, have you been uh, passing the time otherwise? You know what, let's just go into the, gentlemen, what geeky things you do this week. And Andy, what geeky things have you been doing the last six months, eight oh, months, 12 uh, months, two years? I've
1: been trying to catch up on a few things. Lately, um, again, the, the time crunches with my dad have gotten a little more. So I've been watching shorter stuff, catching stuff in between things. And I've caught up on um, Archer Dreamland. I finished that up this week. And I finished up uh, Keepo, the second season of Keepo, and the uh, Age of Wonderbeasts.
2: Keepo and the Age of Wonderbeasts.
1: Yeah, it's on Netflix. It's uh, post-apocalyptic. It's this kind of commandy light, but it's it's actually really good. I really enjoy it. It's def- definitely more kid fare than well, obviously more kid fair than Archer, but you know, it's it's more it's something you you monkeys out there with kids can watch with your uh, your kids and not be embarrassed.
2: We've talked about this show already, right?
1: We talked about when I I first started watching it. It's it's up to three seasons now, and I've I've seen the first two. Some pretty good writing. Some of it does sort of feel like Monster of the Week. And this season, there was an episode early on that was like, well, that was weird and interesting, but I'm not sure what it had to do with anything else. And then by the end of the season, that ended up being the Deus Ex Machina was that episode.
2: Ah, so they're now kind of doing some serialization.
1: Oh, yeah, the whole thing is serialization from the get go. You have to watch it in order. Okay. I also watched On Her Majesty's Secret Service, which I had not seen before.
2: The, really? Uh, the, the, the George yeah. Lazenby James Bond movie?
1: Yeah, it's uh,
2: not my favorite. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's For the longest of, time, it was mine.
1: Really? It's yeah. kind of, well, that makes sense. It's very Degrassi, it's very James Bond as a
3: chick flick. <laughs> It has yeah. its moments. I like Tully Savalas, but I don't like him as Blofeld.
1: No. And I don't like Blofeld as an active participant. I want, yeah. my, I want my Blofeld sitting in a car, stroking their car, sitting in a chair, stroking their cat. I don't want them chasing down Bond down uh, ski slopes.
2: He was working himself up to that. <laughs> sure.
1: He was doing a little parkour, doing a little... Uh, little uh, Trying to build up his uh, inner core strength, that kind of stuff, before he did sure. those skis.
2: Yeah, and then I he realized, yeah, and then he realized, why, why am I doing this? I, I'm yeah. I'm I can just have other people do this for me. Give me my cat.
1: Right. <laughs> no. Doesn't he get killed in the next, uh, the beginning of the next um, movie?
3: No. No. What's the movie that no, starts the... him being killed?
2: For your eyes only is the one that starts with him dying.
3: Oh. Yeah, because uh, Connery comes back for Diamonds Are Forever, and then that becomes the last Connery film. The last official Connery film, sorry.
1: Wait, Diamonds Are Forever? Is that Connery?
3: Huh. Yep. That's weird. Because it takes place in Vegas, Andy.
1: I know, that's why I, I kind of remember it being Roger Moore, but I guess I haven't seen that one in a while either.
3: Andy, 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 what are we going to do with you?
1: That's actually the only Bond book I've read, is uh, Diamonds Are Forever.
2: How is that one?
1: Uh it's fine, I mean I'm sure it sounds like Kay and uh and uh Jeff have seen read more of them than I have. They they can tell you that the books are much more um
2: subdued. Bond,
1: Bond is not as immortal as he is in the movies. I mean, he gets the shit kicked out of him several times in Diamonds are Forever. Well yeah, heck, he
2: got the, beat up pretty good in the first few books I have read.
1: Yeah, the first few books he he's like
0: it
3: it, it ends with him in the hospital. <laughs> yeah. And also, like, the movies, all they take from the books essentially is the title. Everything else story-wise, the Eon Productions did, was separate. I know Fleming had an issue with, like, that first couple of movies.
1: Well, Diamonds Forever has several of the elements from the uh, from the book. But, uh, yeah, you're definitely right. It is fast and loose.
2: Yeah, and that same with Live and Let Die, uh, aside from the racism issues. Um <laughs> The movie, of course, does take a lot, a lot of, of liberty with that book. But if when you read the book, you can see where they did take certain plot points from the the Harlem aspects and
1: Is the right. book as racist as the movie?
2: Much more. Oh, much wow. more. Wow. Yes.
1: That's impressive.
2: Uh no, I wouldn't say impressive. That's that's not the word I'm looking for, but
3: horrifying? <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. Okay. It's,
3: uh, just... it's a slice of historical Americana.
2: Andy, all I ask you to do and not read the book, uh, just look at the chapter titles. That's all you have to
1: do. All right. (laughs) Yeah. That's all you have to do. Oh, boy. That's the way I read most
2: books. Uh, (laughs) In this case, it's probably for the best. (laughs) Uh, I do want to go back for a second, though, uh, talking about that ending of Blofeld. (laughs) That's kind of a dick move, wasn't it? I I will say (laughs) that. Mr. Bond. uh, That movie, uh, For Your Eyes Only, was my very first Bond film. Oh, wow. So I had no idea who this bald man he was dumping into a factory was.
3: And you never see his face, either.
2: Yeah. I mean, imagine the outcry if something in the MCU or the uh, DC Universe, any of those movies, decided they built up Thanos... Let's say,
3: yeah, let's go say and then, Thanos.
2: And then at the beginning of, say, at the beginning of Thor Ragnarok, they just punch Thanos and he dies, and they go on to tell the Thor Ragnarok story. Sure. <laughs> I mean, it really, it really is a a, a fuck you to uh, <laughs> to the ongoing story.
1: Well, does anybody know the background why that
3: why they did that there?
2: Ah, you know what? It feels like something I should know, and I absolutely don't.
3: I seem to recall it had something to do with that they were trying to kind of wipe the slate clean for Roger Moore. I'm not 100% on this, but it's like they they wanted to not carry over any villains from the the Connery era into the Moore era.
2: I can get that if they did that for Live and Let Die. But this is the fourth movie that, that Roger Moore was in. So sure. they, they killed them off four movies. They had three other movies they could have done this on. So it's, it's almost like, well, you know, what do we do with this movie? Uh, well, what about Blofeld? Uh, you know what? We, we can't really use him. Just get rid of him at the beginning, and that way we, no one else will ask.
1: It is, uh,
3: it is weird.
2: So, gentlemen, what other geeky things you do this week? Mandalorian.
3: Oh, yeah. Oh, God, that's so, such a good episode. Yeah, it was. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's, it's, the, the show continues to be a rough thing to talk about. And right. it is and it's and it's part of the fact that it's not all released at once and they're doing it episode by episode each week. So we'd love to talk about it on the show, but it's people haven't seen it yet. It's still right. really new.
1: And every episode is very spoilery if you talk about this. There's big stuff happening in every episode.
2: I have to say I'm enjoying the fan service of this season very much but it's almost to the point like it seems like every episode's purpose is fan service hmm. you know it seems like something that'd be better doled out without saying in this week's episode uh we harken back to this moment of the star wars legacy books or we harken back to this moment of uh, the clone war series It seems to be working really hard to bring back everyone's childhood to The Mandalorian.
3: It does seem as if Filoni is trying to incorporate a lot more of Clone Wars Rebels storylines into this season, but they're doing it really quickly, really early in the season. How
1: many more episodes are left in this season?
3: Uh, I
2: don't know offhand, I guess, is the short answer. Although I will say with this Episode. They they this certainly was the uh, Empire Strikes Back episode of the series.
1: Uh, Return of the Jedi, wasn't it?
2: No the, the, this is this is the part where you're you're at your low, where the the heroes oh. get things taken away from them.
1: Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense.
3: Well, yep. according to IMDb, there's only two more episodes left this season. Damn. Wow.
2: But aren't they start starting the next season pretty early? Are, are releasing it kind of early, like it's not? I don't think it's going to go all the way to October before they do the next one, or is it? Am I just hearing that wrong? No clue. Okay. So, Kay, what uh, other things you do this week? I watched
0: an old seventies movie called "Gone in Sixty Seconds." Nice. Oh yeah, it, it's really Was it interesting. As good as the remake. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, <laughs> it's kind of funny because. Vernon had gotten it, and his comment was uh, kind of hilarious. He said, "It's uh, it's kind of hardware wars level of acting." Oh god!
3: <laughs> wow, Augie um, and Doggie.
0: Yeah, I mean to the point. Even even with like. Sh- it, really weird, where like everything is ADR. And sometimes they even have like these weird montage type moments where people are meeting and talking, but you're getting a voiceover. It's like they're, they're not even bothering to try to sync the voices in the ADR. They're just like, we'll just treat it like a documentary or something. All of the scene work to set up the set piece is just awful. But the set piece is pretty insane, because basically the ending 40 minutes of the movie is one long chase scene, one long car chase. Yeah. Uh, The guy is definitely a stunt driver, and actually, there was some pretty good stuff in there. Really impressive, uh, even in terms of impressive cinematography, uh, there was very little undercranking, which is kind of odd for a chase movie. Right. they actually not, not, uh, did a crap ton of, uh, you know, just r- r- real-time filming and stuff. And it's just absolutely, absolutely amazing. And, yeah, they, they demolished 90-some-odd cars. It's
1: not a Mad Max level of undercranking?
0: Uh, no, no, not at all. It's it's actually really uh, rather impressive. It was interesting. It was interesting. I, I have no idea as to whether or not to recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> but it was interesting. Maybe recommend
2: I recommend so, the last 40 minutes.
0: I, you know what? I would do that because it's definitely a study in old cinema and car chases and stuff like that. Frankly, you don't need the rest of the movie. It's, it's actually ironic because basically the movie takes pains to set up that they're car thieves stealing cars. But they're car thieves with hearts of gold the the lead uh, driver and leader of the car thief ring refuses to steal cars that are not insured. And sometimes they'll steal a car and discover it's not insured, and so they return it and then go to steal another one of the same make and model. It, it's, it's, it's kind of funny.
1: I feel like that's a movie that was on, like, Movie of the Week several times when I was a kid. And I, I feel like I've seen... It in pieces with commercials, and doesn't isn't the isn't the remake Nicholas Cage? Yeah, yes, yeah. Okay, I've, I saw the remake for sure.
3: I think I'm like you, Andy. I think I've only seen it in bits and pieces because I don't remember the insurance aspect. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> it's yeah, and
3: you you really don't need to <laughs> either. I um, I remember the bad acting, but I don't remember that part of uh, that moral code, if you want to call it that. Yeah. And it's funny because it's kind of a focus. They actually do that like two or
0: three times. They go on about the insurance and stuff. And then one guy steals one car and they find out it's loaded with heroin. So they Ah. take it out to the desert and they set it on fire. One of the guys involved in the ring is actually uh, upset that they set a million dollars worth of heroin on fire. So he tips off the cops about the last car being stolen to get the the ringleader in trouble, which is what sets off the chase and and leads to the the end of the movie. Ah. So, I mean that that's basically that's your story right there.
1: The forty-two minute Spoiler. and forty-second car chase is on YouTube.
0: Yeah, forty minute,
1: forty-two minute and forty-second. Yes.
2: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe there's yeah. a little lead-up.
1: Yeah, because yeah, the a second version that's a 14-minute one.
2: It is crazy. I think the 14-minute one is set to yackety-sacks. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jeff, what did you do this week?
3: Well, I bit the bullet and decided to get uh, caught up on Lower Decks and start Star Trek Discovery. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Let me tell you, I really liked Lower Decks. It's fun. It's supposed to be a comedy, and it is, but it's not, like, overtly silly. It kind of states the inherent silliness in some of the storylines of the dramatic plot points of Next Gen and original series. Um, And Discovery, oh, my God, that show is hitting it out of the park this season. I am really impressed with all aspects of that show. I can't wait for the final, like... I think there's four episodes left.
2: Oh, wow. You are burning through that. I, I am interested to see your opinion next week as to what your favorite season of Discovery has been thus far.
3: I mean, up to this point, I think it's this one. Wow. But I'm only uh, eight, I think. I have eight episodes in of the full season, and I think January is the final episode. So it'll it'll be right before I have to cancel All Access again. <laughs> <laughs>
1: just to avoid getting shit from us about it
3: you know well you know i love how matt never gets shit about having it for how many months did he say before he forgot to
2: cancel it i, I know bigger... you, you never cease to remind us
3: yeah yeah, yeah. exactly
1: <laughs> he, he's bigger than you and we fear he might hurt us
2: <laughs> don't, don't, let his Cana- don't let his canadianness fool you <laughs>
1: yeah he's, he's an, an angry the
2: head off a moose
1: he's an yeah. angry canadian his Canadian is deeply tempered with Floridian. Floridian.
3: <laughs> I also um, I'm about halfway through um, the flight attendant on HBO Max. It's a it's a new series starring uh, Kaylee Cuoco. Oh, it's, what is uh, that about? So it's it's a murder mystery. Kaylee Cuoco plays a flight attendant who wakes up in bed next to a guy that's dead and as one does. Yeah, you know, that that old chestnut.
2: If I had a
1: nickel for every time.
3: <laughs> uh, flees the scene trying to figure out what happened and then the next several episodes is her doing the exact opposite of what a normal person would do and starts investigating her own involvement in the case instead of abiding by like her lawyer's advice to stay clear of it and to not do these things that she's doing. And everyone else that's her friend that says, "Don't do that. Get out of there. Don't do that. Don't go to that house. Don't go investigate that." But I thought I'd check it out because you know she was on Big Bang Theory and she hit it out of the park with Harley Quinn. So um, I'm enjoying it so far. It's it's a little um, it's it's a little silly on her end because she's a a functioning alcoholic, so she's constantly drinking, and then her view of the world gets a little bit interesting at times the best way to put it not overtly cartoony but more like what somebody who is trying to view the world through an alcoholic haze would be so So uh,
1: does the camera work that mean do you sort of view it through her eyes and experience what she's experiencing or
3: you're viewing it third person so you're you're looking at everything although you do get inside her head a couple of times i hesitate to say too much more because it would spoil one of the um the key points of the show if people want to check it out. But uh,
2: So it sounds like this has kind of a com- uh, comedic tone to it.
3: Yeah, it's, I mean, it's serious, it's drama, but it has that right amount of comedy to lighten the situation, especially for somebody that she feels like she's losing her mind several times. So she's trying to figure out what happened because she can't remember everything from that night, but it slowly starts coming back to her over time. I'm I'm intrigued.
2: Well, this week I had a lot more fun playing pinball. It was yeah. pinball time this week and uh, I got to say that uh Microscope, Punch Klops, Leon Mitt and Jake were were not taking my shit from last week. <laughs> <laughs> they 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 took my insane ramblings and haughty attitude and took me to task and laid up Good. some scores uh that I have to say were tough to beat, uh, especially you Leon Mitt uh, One of the tables, I was working on it for an hour trying to beat his score. Goodness. Uh, But the fact is, I did beat it. I beat them all. (laughs) Every single one of them. (laughs) Trying as they might. Didn't you like obliterate one of their scores? My favorite moment, and I thank you, Jake, for, for giving me this gift, is Jake laid up a score on the Back to the Future table that was terrific. And it was so good that he made a YouTube video. He recorded himself playing that game and that video. So you can see him hitting that score and boom. And and yeah, and just, and just threw it down. Like I take that Torgo. Kabam. And then I got back on there and beat his score with the next game that I played.
1: Wow. Did you record it?
2: No, but I did uh, take a picture of it. I put it on Twitter afterwards Uh, uh, and and beat it by almost three times.
3: Well, yeah, I saw your saw your
2: tweet.
1: <laughs> I'm glad you were humbled by that and uh, you didn't take the task anymore.
2: <laughs> but I appreciate all you guys and and playing pinball with me. I've, I've really had a wonderful time. In fact, one of the highlights of of the day is logging on to PlayStation and going to all the leaderboards on it and go and seeing just who is just decimating what scores and it's the scores you guys are laying up are impressive, but, uh, you got some work to do. That's all I'm saying.
1: So how did Minecraft go this week?
2: What, what Minecraft? Oh, that, uh, that's (laughs) still out there, isn't it? Yeah, uh... it
1: is. People are (laughs) angry with you, man.
2: (laughs) Yes, yes, they are. But uh, apparently my work is being done because someone blew up the church of Vlarg in Minecraft. I saw that was posted the shock monkeys layer. Yeah. So, uh, whoever did that, kudos. You, you have my respect.
3: They were going to blame you for it, regardless of whether you were online for a week they, or not. But
2: they can't, because I wasn't there. I have proof.
3: Right, you just woke up in bed with a dead, with a dead church.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: I also uh, continued to watch Titans. I'm in the second season of it. I have the same feelings about it as I did before, where they're kind of going the Raven line. They kind of end that Uh, at the beginning of the first, uh, sorry, the second season of it, and they continue on with a new storyline. That takes a little time to get involved, but when they are are focusing on a character in an episode and really kind of doing character work, the show is really good. And when they start to tell the overarching story, it starts to suffer. It's weird, because usually shows are kind of the opposite in that regard.
1: Now... you were talking about Hawk and Dove, was it last week or the week before? Yeah, last talking, week. I know the original Hawk and Dove, so I was like, really? They're, they're a couple? Because at the one point I thought it was brother and sister. Originally it was
3: two brothers.
2: Right, and, and, they, and they do that in the show too. They have the original Hawk and Dove as brothers. Oh, it, has,
3: okay. it has them as brothers on Justice League Unlimited as well. Ah.
2: Yes, they do cover that.
3: And that's somebody.
1: Oh, it was that was one of those iconic creators too that did that, created it. It was
2: oh crap. Um, but Hawk and Dove continue to be in this show, and I really enjoy them as a screen presence and I enjoy their story as well. They do an excellent episode, uh, late in the first season or maybe in being early in the second season, which goes into their history a little more, and it's excellent. And again, and again. And again, it's it's a show about when it does the character work, it's great. I just really like what they've done, not just with Hawk and Dove, but later in the second season. And I really don't feel like it's so much of a spoiler because, again, the titles of the episodes spoil every episode that you watch. Right. Uh, uh, But they bring in Connor, which if you're familiar with DC's canon, that is the clone of Superman superboy right yes the the superboy, superboy clone yeah he, his episode is fantastic so when they concentrate it's amazing i just want them to get get that level of amazing when they're telling their whole season arc right but it's definitely bringing me back to watch the, even even when it's doing a a what would be i consider a lesser episode as far as quality goes it's still good but there's moments that it just shines <laughs> And whereas at the beginning it was violence for violence sake, uh, they seem to now be using uh, violence in storytelling. And, and so that has gotten better over time.
1: Sounds good. You're watching that on what?
2: I am watching that on HBO Max.
1: HBO Max. Okay.
2: And uh, on a personal note, I've also put up more classic Dungeons and Dragons stuff on the Ugly Couch Show eBay uh, sellers channel. So I put up a link to that on the Shock Monkey's Lair. So if you like old D&D stuff, I think I put up five more modules this week and I'll probably do five to ten every week coming for the next few months. Cool. Goodness. Yeah, there's uh... a lot to go through.
1: And some of my stuff is being sold uh, through eBay too. That's going to directly to Kay's uh, uh, rent. There, That will be out there. I'll post that on the layer too.
2: Fantastic! I love it. Yes, you'll you'll be helping both myself and Kay out. So so please, yes, check our uh, Andy and my eBay stuff, and uh, we appreciate it. Thank you so much for looking,
1: Steve Ditko, Andy. That's who I was thinking of, Steve Ditko i I, cause I remember he did he did the uh, the question too and and had that sort of uh, polarization in his writing. he was all very uh the the black and white of things, and that's why he had the two the the hawk and dove butting heads while fighting crime
3: hawk and dove butting heads while fighting crime
2: and they later gave that to uh green arrow and green lantern right yes
3: yeah. yeah
1: absolutely. Although I think it was probably handled a lot more deftly in uh, that one. It was a little heavy. Ditko was a little heavy-handed.
0: Well, yeah, he is an Ayn
3: Randian. Yeah, Yeah, I was going to say. It kind of goes without saying about (laughs) Ditko.
1: Right. An Ayn Randian, nearly branded communist because he's left-handed.
0: Ah, yes. Andy's back.
3: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Is he bringing the funny, though, Kay? I think so. Andy's back
2: <laughs> Anything else you do this week gentlemen
0: I finished Jr's book Fantastic. Citadel of the Fallen Yes And uh, I definitely enjoyed it And it's definitely uh, Definitely the beginning of a uh, Series I, uh, He actually uh, Actually gives us a little tip of the hat In his acknowledgments in the back Oh wow uh, Mentioning Jack um, so we're partly responsible for what happened. He actually talked a little bit about gaming and um, how the uh, story came
2: about because it's it's drawn from an RPG campaign. Nice. I love when authors do an afterwards and talk about either their process or their inspirations or or just something that was on their mind when they wrote the book. Mm-hmm. I, I've always enjoyed it, Stephen King did that a lot in his writings. Brian Keene's done that on a few, but I love when authors invite us into their thought process.
1: Yeah. I always mm-hmm. loved the, uh, Harlan Ellison, a lot of his story, a lot of his short story collections would, would have a, a page or two of him describing what he was going, why he wrote something before he wrote, before you get into the story.
2: I love that. I absolutely love yeah. that. And uh, Citadel of the Fallen by J.R. Conkle. That's, uh, was a November's book club book for December? We always do a graphic novel, and this month's graphic novel is uh, Laura. I, I wrote it wrong.
1: <laughs> oh, dear.
2: Yeah, I wrote Laura Dead Keeps Breaking Up With Me. Why did I write that? Mm.
1: What was it's I Laura thinking? Dead.
2: It, it's it's the the title is Laura Laura Dean keeps breaking up with me by Mariko Tamaki. But for some reason I wrote Laura Dead keeps breaking up with me. I I guess I was in a dark place when I wrote this. Mm, wow. But no, Laura Laura Dean keeps breaking up with me. If you're interested, uh,
1: that is graphic. what we are
2: reading. And it's a graphic uh, novel, right? It Darn. is a graphic novel. On the eighth, uh, that's uh, today when we're recording this. That's uh, when the I'll be opening up the uh, Facebook book page do, for discussion. So, if for those who have finished, that will be open up very soon, probably by the time you hear this.
1: Nice. Hey, Kay and I have one more bit of uh, week and geeky. Or not, we got what geeky things we did. We we killed Krampus.
2: You killed Krampus.
1: Yeah. Kicked but, his ass.
2: Okay. Uh, <laughs> please cl- uh, clarify. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so. uh, K and Biggs and Jeff Harris and Matt Spalding uh we have a, a Monster of the Week game going on whenever we can do it. Um in theory weekly, but not always. And uh this week it was uh the the, the big bad was Krampus. And uh we took his ass took his ass out.
2: He probably deserved
1: it. Oh, yeah. definitely. He was going after kids. Yeah. But but
0: that's okay because Andy got a hold of his sack.
1: I do, I have Krampus' in sack.
2: Does, Why are you always that...
3: grabbing sacks? Andy? I don't know.
2: <laughs> does that have some kind of magical power? His we'll Krampus find sacks?
3: out. We'll find out. We
1: got his robe too. He went all Obi Wan on us when we killed him. Uh
2: oh. Yeah,
0: that was after uh, after Andy rubbed Holly all over Jeff's
2: sword. Mm. As one does. Not and my yeah. sword. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I noticed all the things that seemed to take out the Krampus seemed to be stripper names. It was Holly and, yeah. Cinnamon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that oh, was a fun okay. point in the game where, where I rolled very badly going to the kitchen to try and find cinnamon. And I rolled so badly that I decided that what I picked up was uh, seasoning salt. And I was trying to stop <laughs> Krampus with seasoning salt.
2: Uh, anything else, guys? Uh, uh, Queen yeah. Gambit.
1: Ooh, I want to see that.
2: Queen's Gambit on Netflix. Pretty good. How far are you in? Oh, I watched the
0: whole thing. It was really funny because I I was planning on starting it, and Lewis came home because he's staying here for a little bit. And Lewis is actually interested in chess to the point that he actually watches numerous chess channels on uh, YouTube. So he's like, well, let's see what the first uh, episode's like. And so we watched the first episode, and it was totally not like what we were expecting. So we were like, "Well, let's see what the second episode's like." And so we watched that, and then Lewis is like, "Well, what's the third one then?" And then we watched hmm. that, and then I was thinking, "Oh, I Lewis think I see how the story is go to- going." Yeah, and and <laughs> it was like, "Okay, I guess Lewis is going to be going to bed soon." And uh, no, he's like, "Well, turn on the next one. Let's watch it." You know? <laughs> oh
2: wow!
0: <laughs> we actually, uh, we actually, it, it's like I think it's eight. Or nine episodes, it's not very long And we, we binged it all the way to the end That night In was one ha-
2: night? Wow yeah. Was he happy chess?
1: Yeah,
0: yeah He was very interested uh, One of his chess channels, actually a couple of them Analyzed the games So uh, we watched an episode Where one guy broke down the final game And discussed it and everything And the story was interesting It's fictional <laughs> it's, it's fun and interesting anyway Definitely recommend it. All right. You know, and if you watch it with your kids, they're going to come out of it very interested in uh, chess and probably interested in tranquilizers and smoking. Cool.
2: <laughs> All right. Uh, the four food groups. Yeah. So, well, gentlemen, we got a little bit of mail. So let's hit that before we do some news. One sent in uh, due to my kind of uh, pouring out of my heart last week. Uh, as to why I hadn't gone back to Minecraft yet. Uh, So I'm going to read that one. This one is from Leon Mitt, uh, the guy that is awesome at pinball. He he writes, I have been one of the many that has been dismayed by Torgo's absence from Hobbiton. The server is missing chaos, which often helps push past those times when you are between projects. However, I do get what you're saying. Hobbiton has been a place of refuge for me through the stress of the pandemic. The steady rules, the visible accomplishments provide me with a sense of order and accomplishment that I rarely find in real life these days. I know logically that if all is fleeting, that all is fleeting and unimportant, yet I can't deny the joy it gives me. When I have finished building an aquarium, a bridge, a lighthouse, even the more mundane tasks like digging out the unnecessary sewer or clearing out an area for a fellow crafter adds value to my life. I almost feel embarrassed when I explain my exploits to my family. They're good sports about it, letting me drone on and on about things they have little or less understanding of. Everyone should be able to find such refuge in these hellish times. If Minecraft isn't doing it for you right now, come back to us later. Whatever it is that will help you keep your sanity, go do that for the time being. You've given your fans so much, the least we can do is show a little patience. Just know that your particular brand of chaos is unreplaceable and will be missed until you return. Thank you for all that you do. Leon Mitt, a.k.a. Scoop de Leon. uh, P.S. The Wizard has some new scores to beat. I already beat those. I already beat those. Um, Oh. That was.
1: <laughs> You're so humble about it.
2: <laughs> no, uh, Leon, Mitt, I really, really, appreciate the letter, and and I again, I, I will come back. That's if this is just a, a timeout that I need to take. Um, and again, I appreciate your your score attempts. They've they've been rough to beat, and I know eventually, especially after dealing with the creature from the Black Lagoon one this last week. That uh eventually somebody is going to have my number. It, it's just a, it's just a, a the, matter of time.
1: How close is the creature from the Black, Black Lagoon virtual game to the real one?
2: Spot on. It is. Oh, it is wow. a one-to-one recreation. they They have gotten a license with Williams to do a bunch of their tables, and that's what they've been releasing as of late. Uh, so there they're, are they're, they're a lot those tables are a lot harder because most of the tables that they do in pinball effects uh, the flippers are a little closer together than in most actual pinball machines but when they're doing the Williams table uh, those flippers are much wider apart so it is it is proper pinball
1: but it's got the music and all yeah 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 the
2: license yeah it's the licenses are all there. move your car. And it's been great this week because just this last week, uh, Sony put up their uh, end-of-year sale and a bunch of pinball effects, three tables went on. So ones that I was missing, uh, I finally got this week. So I was able to get out and beat even more scores. It was great. Uh, Next piece of mail uh, is by uh, DJ Croak. Hey, guys. Darren's friend and Kit. First off, you had mentioned and made fun of overall-wearing guys. God I wear overalls, it. eat a dick. Second of all, what was a job you guys had that turned out to be completely different when you thought for the one that you were hired for? Love, peace, and chicken grease croak. I, I'll bring up mine. I might have brought it up on a show in the past. I, I can't remember or not. Uh, before I moved to Vegas, I made my living uh, temping. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I was a professional temp for like two years. Uh, when wow. I lived in Chicago, I did temp work. When I moved back to Indiana, I did temp work. And so when I first moved to Vegas, I was like, well, I'm, I I want to find a more permanent job. But in the meantime, I know I can do temp work. So I went to uh, one Apple temp agency here in Las Vegas. Oh, and God. I was an office temp. Uh, so I was fully certified in Uh, All all the Microsoft and Excel and all that stuff. So so when I went to one Apple, I'd done most of my stuff through manpower temp agency in the past. So one Apple, I had to get recertified. So I went through their computer system and did their little test to see what you knew. And I got certified recertified and under their levels. And so I was ready to go, and I finally got my first call, and they're like, yes, uh, we're sending you out to this uh, medical company, so uh, go uh, to this address. So I I dressed up in my suit coat minus uh, the, I'm sorry, my, my full suit minus my coat, so, you know, tie, white shirt, good pants, and showed up to work. It turns out that the job was going to various storage units and taking out the medical equipment that was there uh, to bring everything to one larger storage unit so they could close out these smaller ones (laughs) (laughs) in in the middle of the afternoon in the middle of july
1: ah how fast did the tie go away
2: Dude, not only the tie, the shirt came off. I had a white T-shirt underneath, but I was in my dress pants with these other guys that were in, of course, uh, shorts and T-shirts because they were told what to expect. Mm. I was not told. Uh, The only thing I'd done for them up to this point was take their tests. So they knew I was there as an office temp. That's what I was certified for. But they did not bother to tell me that I was there to do physical work. I did it. I sweated. And I... Gave them my resignation at the end of the day Because <laughs> I'm like, listen yeah. you, you sent me on this thing without telling me what it was Fuck you
1: um, The worst job I ever had was a temp job And uh, It was collating It was it was collating from 11 o'clock till 7 in the morning
2: Oh, like uh, overnight? And, yeah
1: And we're it was like a bunch of us walking around A, a you know, a table grabbing seventeen pieces of paper and putting them in a sack. Just walking around the table all night. It was very Kafka-esque. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That was uh I only did that for a few days. That was that was very bad. But I mean the the job that I got that was very different than what I thought was was um because you know usually temp jobs you expect crap, but uh two years, man, that's crazy. Um I Got a job working at a, as a graphic design person for a local uh, theater on the Strip. And I just assumed, you know, I'd be doing graphic design. And uh, that, thing, <laughs> that thing had me doing, uh, you know, a, a few days into it, I was in the rafters of the, the theater trying to map out where the wires went uh the what? <laughs> yeah i was climbing <laughs> around in the rafters uh with 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 another guy trying to sort out where where the w- wires and lighting needed to go so i could draw it up
2: so You were, wait wait you were doing so you ended up doing lighting design
1: uh i was just mapping out where the wires already were so somebody else could do lighting design
2: oh jesus and you're hired yeah. as a graphic designer
1: Yeah, I mean, I worked it for a year and I did graphic design and I did uh, web stuff and and video editing. I mean, a lot of it really made me stretch myself because I thought I was just going to be doing, you know, a little Photoshop and Illustrator work. So
2: I'd tell you Uh, in the theater, if going up in those lighting rafters is some scary shit.
1: Yeah, Yeah, it it is. Yeah. It's really scary to think of Andy up there. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Again. I, I spill stuff. I'm I'm pretty good. I mean, I, I fall enough that I I can fall well.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's hard to fall well at sixty feet.
1: Well, that's true. Yeah, I was. I'm I'm careful in that kind of stuff. But yeah, I mean, like I mean, among the graphic design stuff I had to do was uh, I think they might still be using this damn piece of art. It was a, a hypnotism show, and it was a guy waving a clock, and there was a showgirl in it, and uh, they insisted I make the breasts bigger on it. So I. I Inflated the breasts of a showgirl, and I had them on layers. And I showed it to the theater owner. I was flipping back and forth between the inflated version and non-inflated version, making him giggle.
2: That sounds like a nandy job to me.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I also had to do a lot of. Uh, I'm not even sure I should commit to this stuff. And I'm oh, not sure. sure I did. I'm not sure I did much of it myself. But uh, we would make up publications and make up quotes on those publications for the advertising. <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's up and up.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Vegas. Yeah, News the, said... the
0: the whole point of the original question is: Were you expecting that when you went into oh, the I, job?
1: I certainly wasn't expecting to perjure myself in the end <laughs> job. <laughs>
2: uh, how about you, Kirsten? Anything?
0: Actually, I talked about it once before. The closest I've got to something like that is. Um, is uh, the thing where i i contracted with this uh company that just basically put out free flyers you know and they would you know hang the flyers on the doorknob and i contracted uh a, a number of neighborhoods like right here near where i live and are, are right around the the area and i i was just supposed to deliver these Um, These handouts And you're given a computer printout This is a dot matrix computer printout Of addresses And um, you're supposed to Figure out which ones Are on the list of do not deliver Because people can certainly say Don't ever give me this crap And then I just go to every other house Every house that's not on that list in In that given block Of streets And hang stuff on the doorknob and I'm like, okay, it's not a lot of money, but I'll take I'll take like three or four lots, and you know, I'll just spend because uh, it was it was one day a week we were supposed to do it. You just go in at 4 a.m. or so and uh pick up that stuff and then go out and deliver it on uh Thursday going into Friday. And then when I get in, he's like, Oh, the first time I'm in, he's like, We also they did a brief experiment in the early 90s where they tried to change magazine distribution from through the post office to through local paper distribution centers. Because, like, this free, this free handout thing was uh, supposed to be, uh, you know, was through the RJ. I drove to the RJ up by bonanza washington mlk wherever the hell it was to pick that stuff up that's where it is and um there's a whole bunch of magazines there and he's like you're 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 also delivering magazines and i'm sorry you're starting on a bad week but you got a lot here and there was a metric shit ton of magazines there that had their individual addresses on them and i had to figure out where these people were in my lots, and I had oh, to my. include the magazines to hang up, and it's it changed cut. yeah it changed the job completely. Now I had to organize the magazines, lay out my uh, my deliveries, and make sure I had all the magazines. People were yelling at me because of course they're trying out this new distribution, so people hadn't been getting magazines for a month, or other people had canceled. And it's like, stop bringing me these magazines. And it's like, I'm just a distributor. And they're like, well, tell them. And I'm like, I can't tell anybody. And it just changed everything. It was, it was bizarre. It was, was really, really bizarre.
1: Job- was that a one-day job then? or?
0: Yeah, that, well, that was, no. It was one day a week. I needed some money, so I tried to stay with it. But I lasted about a month. And then I was like, oh, I'm for, forget this. And I I quit. And so I get better than
1: I am. That's that's a nightmare.
0: Yeah, no, it was. It was. It was. It was terrible. I ended up spending two days a week doing it. I would stay up all night just trying to organize the magazines and then I would deliver them out. And oh,
3: God, it just was miserable. So there was that. How about you, Jeff? The only one I could think of that was something that it wasn't presented as was uh, uh, when I was first starting college and I was kind of getting fed up with McDonald's and was thinking of moving on to a different career. I got approached uh, to do uh, this business, which wound up being Amway. Oh, whoa. And uh, yeah, it, it wouldn't have been so bad if all it was was trying to, to sell Amway products. But they wanted you to keep buying all these training tapes and stuff. And I was just like, you know what? No, this is, you know, it, it was enough to be suckered into an MLM business anyway. And now you want me to spend even more money buying your stupid training tapes that's, F that's off. how
1: they make the money, man. That's that's <laughs> where the elements make the money. Is yeah. is
3: yeah. yeah, They make it on, off of you, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's what I. That's why I tell people that story anytime they they say they're considering anything that sounds even remotely like what I went through. And I'm like, let me tell you a little story.
1: <laughs> I had a friend that did. Um, I, I think I might have actually been to Amway, and uh, he stopped because he realized he had no friends. He only had contacts.
2: Well, that's how you lose your friends. Absolutely. Right. Exactly. Well, Croak, uh, we appreciate the question. I, I'm sure that answered it because, wow, well, we got an answer from everybody on that. Yeah, and I hope all
0: we, we all covered all the bases on that one.
2: So let's move on with the show, guys. Let's start off with your, your, your friend and mine, news you don't give a shit about. Yeah! The fuck is going on
3: <laughs> sounded very
2: alien-esque you asked for it todd such a weird thing that happens when you do that i don't know <laughs> if it's supernatural or just digitization i i don't
3: it it sounds like in star trek the motion picture when they get beamed up and the transporter malfunctions yes! and they yes it's so freaky wow. that's
2: exactly what it sounds like
3: i, I know right <laughs> i can't wait to hear it and, of course, Kay's <laughs> not here to hear it, because he's, he's off. Kay's taking a shit. There's <laughs> a News
2: you don't give a shit about it. <laughs> it's, it's in the right section. Um, news you don't give a shit about, except Kay, Kay gives a shit. Um, the Arecibo Radio Telescope, the oh. 305-meter dish in the hills of Puerto Rico, is to be decommissioned after a pair of cables that support a huge platform above the dish broke. Uh, the enormous telescope has been in use since it was completed in 1963. It has been used to study Earth's upper, upper atmosphere, mapping near-Earth asteroids and the moon, observe distant galaxies, and to send signals to a distant star cluster in an attempt to communicate with any potential civilizations. But on August 10th, of 2020, One of the auxiliary cables slipped from its post and fell to the ground. When it fell, it damaged the dish, tearing a 30-meter gash into it and also damaged several of the panels making up the Gregorian Dome. No one was hurt, but this incident provoked NSF to inspect the telescope to see what could be done to repair it. After an investigation, the NSF concluded that there is no way to fix it while still maintaining the safety of any crew who would do the work. So the NSF therefore decided to decommission the telescope. It's not clear how the decommissioning will be done yet. The platform is enormous and heavy, and it will take great care to disassemble it properly and safely. However, the alternative is to do nothing. And that will almost certainly lead to an uncontrolled collapse of the platform, which would be catastrophic. There are historical buildings under one tower that need to be preserved, and also there's wildlife, including endangered species that thrive under that dish, and those need to be considered as well. Hopes are that a new telescope will be built to replace it. Uh, Until China built its 500-meter dish in 2016, Arecibo was the largest dish single radio telescope on the planet. Hey, Todd.
3: Yes? Uh, You're your thing is about a week out of date because remember I was talking last week about how I was disappointed they were going to decommission it? Yeah. Hours later, they had a catastrophic failure. Yeah. There's video of it on YouTube. It is...
2: Yeah, that's, that's what I, was, I, I thought I was referring to when I wrote this down. I saw the, ca- the catastrophic video of everything just falling apart. It's, it's like breathtakingly scary. I mean... Wow. Yeah, you could see that centerpiece just fall right into the, uh, into the half sphere and just, just obliterate it. It was scary
3: to watch. It was just like, I hope nobody was anywhere near. I mean, they said there was no injuries, but still, I'm sitting there going, uh, that's just incredible how much devastation happened in that. Yeah. What yeah, about those it's... historic buildings you mentioned?
2: I I I don't I think that's all still fine as far as I'm aware.
3: Okay. Because Dude, the towers because, collapsed.
2: Yeah, it all collapsed into the dish. That kind of stayed there. You you can see the the wire whip down into the uh, the half sphere and just rip it right up. Mm. And it's yeah you're right. It's absolutely terrifying to watch. It's it's almost as terrifying as watching Greg Brady uh, crash during the Hawaii episode of uh, Brady Bunch. Uh, so it's nearly that level of, of just jaw-dropping fear. Wow! Apparently, that's
3: my new superpower: is to destroy things by watching them. Because <laughs> it's as soon as like I, I talked about how I was depressed about them going to decommission it, and then you know, not hours after we stopped recording last week was when. That, that collapse happened, and it was just like, wow, so I've destroyed this. So it's your fault. I've destroyed Queeby, um, I've destroyed other things. So yeah, barely. It's, it's my fault.
0: Well, at least you're not like Biggs and you killed Sean Connery, so.
2: Right. Why, why does Biggs think he killed Sean Connery?
0: Because he, uh, he, he did his uh, Alan Quatermain uh, cosplay and, and and put up a picture mimicking him uh in the in the movie and like within the next twenty four hours news had th- come out that connery had died.
3: I thought it was like mere minutes before that he posted it before the the news came out that Connery passed because I swear oh, there's like really. a comment swear there's a comment in the uh underneath the picture that's like wow you've just killed Sean Connery and he's like huh?
1: <laughs> Let, let's go with that. It's a better story. Sure.
3: <laughs> Yeah, we'll Andy... Have have... Uh, Bigs
0: on to confirm. Yeah. yeah. Andy knows about falsifying stories, right. so...
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah,
2: he's he's an expert.
1: Yeah. Yes. So I seem to Who's recall paid? there being a Dennis the Menace comic book that had that uh, antenna in it. There was a series of Dennis the Menace comic books that were essentially uh, travel guides. I suspect it was a, a way for Hank Ketchum to pay off his make his uh his vacations uh um, paid vacations. There were a bunch of Dennis Amenis co- comics that were essentially Dennis Amenis going to this place Dennis and Dennis Amenis going to this place. They weren't really good. They were they were uh of course we're talking about Dennis and Menace, it was not the most brilliant comic ever. Um, no, yeah these were particularly uh uh forced.
3: But is it worse than my... Family Circus, Andy? Nothing's worse than uh, Family
1: Circus. Yeah that's although that's... Back in the days before the internet was a big thing, uh, at conventions there was a guy I met. I can't remember who it was, but he would sort of under the table sell you dysfunctional family circus comics. Where he, <laughs> nice. Where he just changed the because it's easy enough to do. All you have to do is change a caption, and he would change a caption to something. I mean, incredibly terrible. The, the one that sticks in my head is, oh,
2: no. Billy
1: is Billy is walking down the street, shouting at the uh, shouting at the people in the windows. Thing. You suck. Your, you know, your mom sucks, or your dad sucks, and I would, your brother would have sucked, but I didn't have another quarter.
3: <laughs> Damn. Good comedy there.
1: Somewhere there's a several of those dysfunctional family circus zines kicking around.
2: Quality stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the very first comic book I ever owned was a Dennis the Menace comic book. You poor bastard. Well, that's it's probably why I never got into comics until I was like in junior high again, because as a kid, I had a birth a comic about Dennis the Menace's Margaret's birthday party or some shit.
3: Uh, When I was a kid, my mom bought me some comics at a garage sale that were Uncle Scrooge comics, which the the stories were essentially what DuckTales became. It was literally Uncle Scrooge with Huey, Dewey and Louie and going through adventures.
1: Yep, I was a big fan of those. You could, for a while, you could get like three of those in a little plastic bag at, um, like Woolworths and stuff like that. They they would sell little packages of them. You get gyro gear loose comics and, you know, all, but all the people that showed up in DuckTales, when I started seeing those DuckTales comics again, and were, were basically, uh, those are all Carl Bark stories or mostly Carl Bark stories.
3: Yes. And, uh, after we got those at the garage sale was when we discovered the, uh, the comics at the—I um, can't remember what drugstore. It wasn't Woolworths back in Kansas, but they had that the same thing, like you said, like the three comics in the pack for like a dollar fifty or two dollars, something like that.
1: Those, those were great little packages. I, mean, I assume they were old comics that had been reclaimed. So I remember like picking up like Magnus Robot Fighter and stuff like that And I mean, they were all Gold Key comics and yeah, West comics. Yeah,
3: they were fun stories for a you know six or seven year old Jeff. So. You know, I don't I don't know the, yeah. how they would live up to today, but I, I loved them. I mean, I couldn't get enough of them.
1: I've reread some of those as an adult, and they're still pretty solid.
3: Yeah, I mean, and for a kid's story, they weren't, like, dumbed down for kids, I guess, the best way to put it. It didn't feel like it, at least, to me. Yeah, I had a
1: hard time uh, parsing the Donald Duck from those comics, from the Donald Duck in the shorts you'd see on the Disney show. The Disney the yeah. Wonderful Disney, and the one in the comics was a little angry, but the one in the uh, the the shorts was, you know, psychotic.
3: <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> oh, and that's I watched that. I watched uh, three Caballeros recently. That is oh, painful. Wow. That is really? shut. Oh my god! I mean, the last forty minutes of it is in a, is a long acid trip mixed in with the uh, weird things of sexualizing human women it's just fucked up beyond
3: belief
2: wow imagine that imagine that they made a ride out of it in, in Epcot
3: yeah oh god <laughs> oh. the updated Epcot ride's not bad they, uh, they toned it way down
2: you know what in, in that aspect that too to compared to Three Caballeros yes absolutely <laughs> uh, however <laughs> is, it a, is it a good ride? no it, it's terrible <laughs> uh well one i mean the, it's when, one of the worst rides that disney's ever made
1: i mean now and now knowing what i know about ducks i mean sexual ducks sexualizing human women is just even creepier
2: definitely didn't make the ride
3: yeah i will i will just say when barry and deb and i went on it um when we went for barry's birthday we were suffering from heat exhaustion so riding in a air-conditioned ride was was maybe c- coloring my opinion of it but uh they, i fully
2: get that but that is a very low bar to set jeff
3: well, I'm just saying the the ride is different now. It's a it's a ride to celebrate Mexican culture and heritage. It always
2: was, and when they added the uh, three caballeros to it, they fucked it up. Oh wow! It used to. It's always been a ride through Mexico and Mexican culture, and it was an animatronic ride. Now it wasn't the most advanced animatronics, but it was at least interesting. Now you're just riding by a bunch of TV screens with the three caballeros on it, and it's not like. Like they're in 3D or anything, they're just right. TV screens. And so they've kept some of the animatronic stuff toward the end. Yes. But all the way going up to it is just you're. It's it's a boat ride past a, a Best Buy with three caballeros on it. <laughs> with, with, with better with better theming. You really
3: hate those rides that have TV screens, don't you?
2: I do. I think they're such a cop out.
3: Yeah, I agree.
2: I mean, don't get me wrong. the the, the Mexican ride never had the best of animatronics. But it definitely was a step down.
1: Well, that's, that's what the movie was in the first place, too. Is it was done during World War II, and it was tip of the hat to try and get Mexico, get Latin America not to, 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 to let Latin America know that we were friends with them, and they didn't, shouldn't side with the Nazis.
2: I guess it served its purpose, then. Yeah. Kind of. Weekend Geek! Yay! It's good to have
0: you back, yeah. Andy.
1: Yeah, it's good to be back.
0: Right, Kay? Todd is happy Andy's
1: back. (laughs) (laughs) You're just mad because I
3: gave you all that shit about you using your controller upside down. Weirdo. Wait, what? Uh, Andy is an (laughs) anti-invert controller.
2: Uh, I think most of the world is anti-invert, but... uh...
3: Thank you. Thank you, Todd. I disagree. Jeff, you and who else? Me. Uh, Me, Kay, and several of the shock monkeys.
0: Yeah, people were showing up on this thread talking about yeah. inverted.
3: Yeah, oh, wow. Yeah, <laughs> but then... weirdos. And it's funny because, like, I, I stopped making the airplane controls argument a long time ago, K. And I made the argument of, like, think of a, a stick sticking on your head. And if you pushed it forward, your head goes down. Pull it back, your head goes up. And, yeah. and people would get my point of view, but then they would still disagree with it. And I'm like, well, it just makes more sense. What I really liked is that I explained that it's just natural
0: for me. I mean, I've been playing air combat and airplane, you know, with my friends and everything and with TV shows and movies, pushing the stick forward, down, pulling back up. And uh, what I really liked was Andy actually went, yeah, that doesn't work. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? That doesn't work. That's how (laughs) it works for me. And Andy's all like, yeah, that doesn't work. And it was just like, no, that's exactly how it works for me. I don't know what you're talking about.
2: You know what? It absolutely makes sense to me when it comes to air control. In fact, when it comes to, like, controlling an airplane, I absolutely invert those controls. I certainly do.
3: Well, you don't have choices when you're in a multi-million-dollar flight simulator, which is how I kind of learned how to fly. How
2: to <laughs> well, <why>. well, hello, <laughs> Mr. Burn. Fancy Pants.
1: Burn, <laughs> burn, burn. Uh, that, that was my argument. Was yeah, for all you people that've flown airplanes, but Jeff actually, did, <laughs> Jeff was in the real simulator. He gets a pass. Here's the
0: thing. Good yeah, but I, but me, it obviously is not a good explanation as to why I do it that way. Which <laughs> right, is a pretty stupid
3: position. Yeah, Todd, you and I are the only ones that have actually flown an airplane ever. Yeah, I, of 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 the cast, <laughs> oh, okay. of the okay. cast members here. <laughs> you guys have it's actually
1: right. have you guys actually flown airplanes or the simulators?
2: No, uh, both we, we both flown planes.
1: God damn.
2: Well, yeah, I think I told my story about when I was flying Cessnas and the fact that I had such a uh, mentally impactful moment that I actually lost the memory. Oh wow! Yeah. Hmm. I'll, I'll do a, a, a quick recap. I won't go through the whole thing. But, yeah, I was taking a flight lessons. I was doing the, the book work, but I was also doing the full practicum work going up in the air because I talked about how much I, I – my favorite thing was to go up and stall the engine. I loved that, that, that roller coaster ride of fun. Then this, I, I'm telling what I was told because I have no memory of this. I still have no memory of this. My brain blocked it out. Uh, when I was coming in for a landing uh, that we were cleared for, another plane came in for a landing that they weren't cleared for, and they came over the top of us, and we almost lost control of the plane.
3: Oh, jet, jet wash.
2: Yeah. So they were not cleared and took and took a landing, and uh, they thought they were cleared, but they weren't. And we were coming in our little Cessna, and they were coming in on more of a private jet. And, uh, yeah, then uh, we got caught in the jet wash, and uh, apparently it was a... Uh, a very harrowing moment. I have a memory of that. I, I just got too busy during school that I had to give up something. I want either theater or I had to do planes. And so I gave up planes. That's the way kind of my brain remembers it. Uh, but apparently what happened is I was so shaken that I refused to go back uh, and, and go up there again. Jeez. Wow. And That's so that
3: way more harrowing than my story.
2: <laughs> so it's, 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 it's it's weird to have that, that blank, to know that that happened and I have no memory of it whatsoever.
3: That is crazy.
2: I do invert the flight sticks when it comes to games where like uh, far cry, you can get into planes and yeah, I invert it during that, but I don't invert the rest of it because that's crazy.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: I, uh, my, my scary flight story was, uh, I was flying in this old tail dragger with my dad. I mean, literally like there's one instrument in it, your artificial horizon. And, um, I was sitting in the back and it's a dual control. So you have, uh, you're you sitting tandem, one in front, one in back. And my dad goes, uh, hang, hang on to the controls for me for a minute. I'm like, all right. So, you know, I'm holding on to it. And, and he's like, oh, let's, let's head and approach back towards the, the field because this was a little uncontrolled glider port field. He had me land the plane on this little uncontrolled glider port field. Ooh. I had never landed an actual plane before, only uh flight simulator stuff. Uh, so uh yeah, that was that was scary because tail draggers don't land like your normal three point landing gear. And we're landing on a grass field. So yeah. Very uh very different than what I had ever done in a flight simulator.
1: Explain trail dragger to me, you know.
3: Two front gear and a tail gear. The tail gear just is uh inches above Uh, or inches below the actual physical tail.
1: Oh, so the tricycle one is three wheels all on the same fixed plane, more or less?
3: Yes, that is correct. Okay. So when you land, you have to essentially land with the tail parallel to the ground and then ease the tail down.
1: Apparently my flying a plane story was so scary, I've completely forgotten ever flying a plane.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I believe we are in Weekend Geek, gentlemen. Let's get some news. Uh, Last week, we talked about Wonder Woman 1984's dual rollout in theaters and on HBO Max later this month. It looks like Warner Brothers will apply the strategy to all of its 2021 releases, including uh, Dennis Villanueva's Dune on October 1st, uh, James Gunn's Suicide Squad on August 5th, uh, De- uh, Lana Wachowski's fourth Matrix film on December 22nd. Uh, all of this coming to HBO Max at the same time as being dropped in theaters. Uh, this move comes as theaters continue to struggle uh, amid the COVID-19 pandemic. While this plan is only going into effect for one year, WB could be setting on a permanent precedent for how blockbusters are released, even once the health crisis has abated. The studio film Slate for next year Comprises nearly 17 movies, including Godzilla vs. Kong, Space Jam, A New Legacy, Tom and Jerry, and uh, and Mortal Kombat, The Conjuring, The Devil May Be, Do It, uh, and Malignant. Uh, and Sarnoff, chair and CEO of Warner Media Studios and Networks Group, said, "Quote, no one wants." You- Go ahead.
1: I thought you said, and Sarnoff. I'm like, what the hell is Sarnoff? Well, I haven't heard about that movie.
0: <laughs> yeah. I was like, ooh, Sarnock. This sounds really cool. Right? Uh,
2: Greenlight. Uh, and Sarnoff, <laughs> who is the chair and CEO of Warner Media Studios and Networks Groups, I love saying all of that, <laughs> said, quote, no one wants films back on the big screen more than we do. We know new content is the lifeblood of theatrical exhibition, but we have to balance this with the reality that most theaters in the U.S. will likely operate at reduced capacity through 2021. With this unique one-year plan, we can support our partners in exhibition with a steady pipeline of world-class films while also giving moviegoers who may not have access to theaters or aren't quite ready to go back to the movies, the chance to see our amazing 2021 films. We see it as a win-win for film lovers and exhibit- exhibitors, and we're extremely grateful for our filmmaking partners for working with us on this innovative response to these circumstances. Uh, AMC Theaters is in talks with Warner Media about their decision. Apparently, uh, quoting their CEO Adam Aaron, uh, the, he says, "Clearly, Warner Media intends to sacrifice a considerable portion of the profitability profitability of its movie studio division." and that of its production partners and filmmakers to subsidize its HBO Max startup. As for AMC, we will continue to do all in our power to ensure that Warner Brothers does not do so at our expense. We will aggressively pursue economic terms that preserve our business. We have already commenced an immediate and urgent dialogue with the leadership of Warner on this subject. Unquote. Aaron's statement makes it clear that he plans to fight it as best he can.
3: I think that the theater owners are not happy from what I've been reading.
2: It makes sense. I mean, this is, it's, it's one thing to release it at the same time with a high price point, uh, but to put it up for free on HBO Max for subscribers, uh, that certainly does n- not uh, incentivize people financially to go to the cinema if they already have HBO Max.
3: Yeah, I
1: was, yep. I was watching a Facebook thread uh, between several Hollywood people I know, and they were talking about this being the end of uh, of movie theaters. And the argument one of them made was that you know now that you've got giant screens in your house, now you've got a ninety inch you know high definition TV in your house, but then the other people are arguing that the shared experience is still of value.
2: The movie theater experience is still no matter how big a screen you bought, you could have bought the biggest screen out there uh, or even just use projection. You're st- unless you are a billionaire that has sunk that kind of money to be able to even just build your own theater, period, you're not going to get the same experience. You're not going to get that same level of surround. You're not going to get that same massive screen with that much fidelity.
1: Well, it's Uh, not just that. It's the shared experience. It's the audience, you know, enjoying it with you, the audience reacting with you.
2: You're absolutely right. That's it's so I I agree that we are going to lose theaters because we haven't been able to get this pandemic under control because no one at the top seems to care to do so. So we're going to lose these businesses and theater. We're going to lose some. We've already lost theaters because of it. And we're probably going to lose more of them before this is all done uh, but on the other side of this once this has gotten past this i don't see the people who enjoy going to movies once things are back to normal going well you know what we've we've watched movies at home at the same time let's just watch them at home now and not go to the movies anymore i don't see movie goers doing that
3: TV was that way, too, and and it didn't stop people from returning to the theaters. I think it'll be a hit, but I don't think it'll be a critical hit. What's most likely going to happen is you're going to have these bigger companies go bankrupt. Somebody that didn't have financial issues during the pandemic will buy them and either rename them or carry them on as a new name. That's probably what's going to happen with your big theater.
2: Most likely. Uh, Unfortunately, the ones that are really going to get hit are going to be the small independent ones,
3: yeah. as, the,
2: as the, tends to happen with these people that are, you know, just kind of getting by on their business and just making the little to live on.
3: Yeah, because, I mean, I know from CinemaCon, there's still a lot of little mom-and-pop-owned theaters in a lot of smaller towns.
1: I've seen some, I mean, I've seen some really cool little boutique theaters across the country as I, in my travels. That would actually be kind of a fun one to throw the monkeys. Tell us about your favorite little theater in your area.
2: Absolutely. I love that. So you can send it to us at comments at UglyCountShow.com or you can put it on the Shock Monkeys Lair for that discussion. Right. Well, gentlemen, I know it's a very short news segment uh, and there is a lot more news out there, uh, but I'm very excited to start this new variation of Red Light, Green Light. I think we're at the point that uh, we need to do that in the show. Otherwise, we're going to have a three-hour show. Not that the monkeys wouldn't appreciate that, But unfortunately, uh, I am pressed for time tonight to get this show recorded and edited and go to bed early. So unfortunately, I can't do that tonight. Yeah. So we'll return to some of this news next week. Uh, But in the meantime, let's do some red light, green lights. This yeah. is it, the all-new, brand-new red light, green light. Gentlemen, very gentlemen, good. it's good to have you back, Andy. We missed you. We missed Got you it. on the board.
1: I'm very excited to be here for this inaugural Who's What's it?
2: Right, right. Yeah, there's been some changes handed down from the top. Uh, apparently, I've lost some of my green light power, so I'm no longer allowed to make these decisions, but they want me to continue to run the meetings for the decisions you guys have to make. All right? And there's a budget cut, so you guys don't get as much green lights as you have. We can't just green light things willy-nilly like we used to. Now we're limited. In fact, I got four different shows here. And you each have a maximum of two green lights for these shows each. Now you don't have to use them both. If you don't like any of them, you can red light at all. That's fine. That's not spending money. It's about what we're spending money on. But I got to tell you guys, we got an issue. I'm being told by the upstairs that some of these pitches that we're getting aren't f- real pitches. They're sent in by some of our competitors. So if you end up greenlighting a show that is one of theirs, they get to do the show.
1: Uh, it's yes. a, a really weird business plan. Are we sure about
2: this? <laughs> you know what? It's, it's always been a weird business plan. <laughs> I haven't figured out the entire backstory yet is what I'm saying. But this is how it got works. <laughs> <laughs> to lay it out in layman's terms, uh, we've gotten a lot of pitches, bitches from the shock monkeys, and it's been wonderful. Keep sending them in, guys. Uh, the more you send in, the more we can put in. In fact, uh, we're getting to the point where we can start doing multiple ones per thing to make it even harder. Yes. Yeah, and then they they're sending in some interesting ones. So, and again, I'm the ones that you're sending me uh, shock monkeys. I'm kind of uh, uh, adjusting them a little bit to make them sound like some of the others, to, so they uh, so they blend better. So don't worry about how you're wording them because uh, I will I will fix that. Just uh, send your ideas for these shows, uh, whether they're original or reboots or whatever you have. And uh, the way I've decided to kind of do it is whoever gets greenlit. Uh, that shock monkey gets a point. It's probably going to be a point to win a no prize, but you, you get at least get bragging right points. So at the end of every red light, green light session, uh, of course, we'll reveal which one was the fake pitch and, of course, give the shock monkey the proper credit for fooling us on it. So, uh, cool. so going back into character now, gentlemen, we have four shows. So what we're going to do is we're going to go through each pitch individually, talk a little bit about it, but we won't give our red light green lights at the end of each pitch. Then we'll go into the next one, discuss it, next one, discuss it, next one, discuss it. And at the end, I'll come back through each one and say, oh, okay, who gives this one a green light? And remember, you only get a maximum of two of these four. And of course, they could be all shit pitches and don't you don't want to re- green light any of them. So, but the names uh, of the shows that'd
1: are... That'd be the, um, the Maple Leaf Matt... Uh, uh, yeah. Right. Yeah.
2: Right. We call that that one a moose Yeah, That one yeah. gets the moose
1: the, the Maple Leaf Mad Gambit, that's what I was trying to say
2: <laughs> The Mad Gambit, alright <laughs> Alright, so here are the titles Of our pitches, the four shows Are The Revelations of Becca Paulson Demigod Island And Soundtrack Hmm So here we go, here is the first pitch Red light, green light Another Stephen King story is headed to television. This one is an uncollected short story called The Revelations of Becca Paulson. The story was previously adapted into an episode of The Outer Limits that would start Catherine O'Hara as Paulson. It is now becoming a series over at The CW. The show is going to be called Revelations. Will be an hour long drama loosely adapting the story about a woman that accidentally shoots herself in the head, which causes some dire changes in her worldview. The story's Paulson is a killer driven by a hallucination that appears after her self inflicted brain industry uh, injury. Excuse me. Here, (laughs) the brain industry.
1: I like the brain industry.
2: (laughs) Green light. (laughs) Here it seems like the horror might be downplayed a bit from the source, but it's keeping Jesus as her hallucination. The Outer Limits replaced him with a random dude. Uh, This time, Paulson is chosen to stop an apocalypse by proving that Earth is redeemable, quote, quote, starting with her quirky Midwestern hometown, unquote. No indication that this also starts by killing the unworthy, as the original story goes. Uh, the changes look to expand the brief tale, which was also present in a different form in the King book, The Tommy Knockers, into something more capable of sustaining multiple episodes. The show comes from writer Maisie Culver, who did Last Man Standing, and executive producer Katie Lovejoy, who did Dracula. So that's the revelations of Becca Paulson. She accidentally uh, gives herself a brain industry. In- I'm still saying brain, brain industry. industry. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Uh, she accidentally gives herself a brain inj- injury. <laughs>
3: ain't no industry like <laughs> a brain industry.
2: Oh, oh boy. I'm just going to take a moment and mark that down as a possible show title. All right. <laughs>
0: possible. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh. <laughs>
2: Of course, I spelled it Brian. So brain industry. <laughs> <Brian A. laughs> we're, we're, we're an hour and a half in the show. I'm already broken. I'm broke. All, All right. right. So the story about this lady who gives herself a brain injury and an halluc- hallucination that appears as Jesus Christ as she uh, has to stop an apocalypse.
1: Does Jesus Christ sound like James Corden in this show?
2: I oh. doubt it, but I'm going to say probably not. There's nothing about it. There's no casting, right. of course. So, it, sounded, uh,
3: it sounded pretty familiar you know, up to that point. Yeah, it does sound like that Max original that's coming up.
2: All right. Any other discussion about the revelation or revelations or revelations of Becca Paulson, whatever they're calling this thing?
1: I mean, it sounds like something that would sell. It sounds like something that would would make it. It does not sound like something I'd want to watch, but
2: yeah. Yeah, but we're talking about profitability here when it comes down yeah. to it. So that is something to keep in mind. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and it definitely a big business boost to the brain industry. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah, and they got their money all tied up in the movie theaters, so you know they need the books.
2: <laughs> <laughs> all right, gentlemen. The next one is is uh, red light, green light. Fox has green lit Demigod, a video game themed comedy for development. Created by Katie Greenway, who did Bella and the Bulldogs, the half-animated, half-live action show will follow the adventures of a powerless fast-food employee who escapes the dreary life work by diving into an Animal Crossing-like fantasy world she's created in her favorite video game. However, things quickly go wrong when the game's latest upgrade causes the virtual townspeople within the game to suddenly become sentient. That's what we got for Demigod. Mm. Mm.
1: And it's by Fox? Is Fox even a real entity anymore? Or is Fox part of...
2: <laughs> uh, Fox the TV station, yeah. It's a real real entity.
1: Uh, it's still okay. there. So they're, they're, they're disassociated from the... Uh...
3: Disney is calling the former Fox Studios 20th century pictures, I think, now. Right. Yeah, oh. and we
0: only do TV shows, Andy. We don't do movies. That's you right. See,
1: that's where I'm confused. All right. I mean it sounds like an interesting idea for a show it sounds very uh, uh yeah it, it it sounds interesting <laughs> but I I'm, I'm still getting confused by the fox thing but uh yeah I I think I may be <laughs> focusing I think I may be focusing too much on the game show aspect of it
2: the game show aspect
1: The... <laughs> I, 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 I,
0: and I, I, now I, who's suffering from brain industry <laughs>
1: Well, there's your title of the episode. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm 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 uh, trying to figure out which one's a fake one, and then the fox thing is a red herring to me. But I, I'm probably wrong.
0: Oh my god! Don't try to figure it out now, Andy. What the <laughs> hell's the matter with you, Jesus?
3: <laughs> uh, you've like been Dave? asking that, You've been asking that question for a lot
2: of years, Kay. Yeah. All right. Now red light, green light, the next one. Aldous Huxley's final novel, Island, is getting a series adaptation produced by Leonardo DiCaprio. After making waves with his Soma-fueled, orgy-laden dystopia of complacency and control, Huxley imagined an island of intense social bonds, responsible drug and sex practices, and New Age philosophy. Here's the book description. Aldous Huxley transports us to the remote Pacific island of Pala, where an ideal society has flourished for 120 years. Inevitably, this island of bliss attracts the envy and enmity of the surrounding world. A conspiracy is underway to take over Pala, and events are set in motion when an agent of the conspirators, a newspaper man named Farnby, is shipwrecked there. What Farnby doesn't expect is how his time with the people of Pala will revolutionize all his values and, to his amazement, give him hope. The production company entered into a multi year first look and television deal. Island, if it applies to this deal, will be a high profile genre series for apple TV plus so that 's Island guys, so this one mm-hmm. red light, green light what 's you thinking on this one?
1: So Envy and Enmity just rolled off your tongue, but brain injury all right
2: that's that 's my life that 's what I do
3: <laughs> Welcome to my world. <laughs> Or a former world, I guess.
2: I have to say, Andy, I was impressed myself, so absolutely.
1: (laughs) um, Newspaper reporter, huh?
2: Uh, Yeah, Farnby. Got Andy.
1: Yeah, well, it puts into the science fiction realm, for sure.
2: Um, (laughs) I've never read Island. In fact, uh, until this came up, I I didn't even know Island uh, was a Huxley book. Me either. But does uh, uh, does this utopia thing work for you? Somebody that goes in to try to destroy it gets uh, gets amazed and brought into it.
3: Meh. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. I'm less interested in this concept. Yeah. Some some of those those high concept um, new agey novels have a hard time translating.
2: Sure. Well, they they just canceled Brave New World, and that was what a one of the big sellers for Peacock when they launched.
3: Right. Mm. I got to admit, none of the pitches so far. Blowing my skirt up there,
2: Todd. Hey, what can I say? I get what's on the desk. That's what I get. Uh, okay, let's, let's do the final pitch here. Showtime is developing a sci-fi comedy called Soundtrack. project is written by Kyle Newman from Veep, And Andrew Dobb from Supernatural is serving as producer and showrunner. Here's the description. College student Harry Brendan's life takes a turn when he develops a new ability. He can hear a TV show soundtrack in real life. When someone makes a joke, he hears a laugh track. If something significant is happening, it's indicated by rising music. Harry decides to use it to improve his life. He listens to the score in a poker game to work out if someone's bluffing. When talking to the girl of his dreams, he listens to the studio audience reaction. But when he starts to hear scary music, he realizes someone or something is stalking him. Uh, Newman is quoted as saying, television and film music is integral to the medium. It tells the audience what to feel and when, sometimes without us being aware. Soundtrack explores the power that music has in our culture while examining our own responsibility with the gifts we are given, unquote. No release date is set for the series. That is soundtrack.
1: Okay, that what I like.
2: I think that's an interesting idea.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. it's uh, a very fourth wall breaking. I like that idea.
2: It reminds me of that kind of stories where the uh, uh, the protagonist is turns out that he's a, he's a character in someone else's story, and he learns that he is that kind of feel to it. Mm. But yeah, that that kind of meta idea. Yeah. Like that Will Ferrell movie recently? Uh, I never saw it, but uh, that kind of makes sense to me, yeah.
1: Well, isn't there a um, um, Ryan Reynolds movie that's going to do that too, the video game thing?
2: Yeah. Yeah. He's a NPC character that realizes that he's in a video game and takes agency.
1: Right. I like this pitch.
2: All right. Well, gentlemen, those are the four pitches on the desk. We're going to go back through them with the titles. And, uh, and of course, you can uh, say whether or not you want a red light, green light. It. Uh, so let's uh, let's start with the first one: Revelations or the Revelations of Becca Paulson. Red light or green light, guys? Red light. Lost me
0: at um, quirky midwestern town.
3: Red light, same reason. And how about uh,
0: you,
1: Andy? Red light, but again, I think it's something that will. Uh, I think it's, it's the, it's the
2: one thing that will make us money. Is that what you're saying?
1: Yeah, it sounds like a profitable <laughs> idea, but it sounds like not an idea for me.
2: All right, so Red's across the board on that one. All right, Demigod. That's the video game comedy where the person goes it, goes home after work, goes plays Animal Crossing-like game, and the NPCs in the game become sentient. I yeah. like it. Yeah, Half animated, half live action. All right, so a green yeah. from Kay. A green, green from, from Andy. Red light. What didn't oh. appeal to you there, Jeff? Uh,
3: Just... Honestly, the entire concept just didn't sound anything particularly interesting to me. I mean, the the mix of live action and animation is such a weird area anyway. Like, I don't know. It just didn't sound appealing. But you loved Happy. I did love Happy, but that's an exception to the rule. Like, the upcoming (laughs) Tom and Jerry movie,
2: that looks horrible. Yeah, so I agree with
1: you on that looking horrible.
2: You you liked... uh... Pete's Dragon, Jeff.
3: Yeah, but that was also almost 40 years ago. So. Okay, that's a
2: good point. That's a good point.
3: So that was actually the
1: discussion from last week, too, that somebody was talking about Pete's Dragon being the first time saw animation mixed with live action. It, did they miss Mary Poppins, whoever that was?
2: <laughs> uh, yes, we did miss Mary Poppins. <laughs> <Okay>. Absolutely. <Yeah. laughs> a fine, fine point. <laughs> all right uh so uh both Kay and uh andy used their green lights one of their green lights on this one jeff hasn't used any green lights yet uh next up is island aldous huxley story red light or green light
1: red i think I, I think i explained why on that one the i love the hippie mentality but those those hippie books do not uh translate well in the modern stuff
3: yeah that's i was just gonna say they don't translate well to the modern world i'm also a red light for For the reason that I just, I don't see how that translates into the modern age. Unless they were to do it as a period piece, maybe, but it doesn't sound like it. So, red light.
2: How about you, Ken? Yeah,
0: Yeah, I'm red light, too. I agree with Andy. Most people, you know, especially in the modern era, just don't understand the counterculture and and so most of the time that stuff falls flat because they don't even really understand
2: uh what 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 they're adapting and the last one soundtrack the person that can hear the uh, tv soundtrack in the background of his life red light or green light
1: very solid green that's my favorite of the four
2: yeah
0: i like the idea i like the concept it sounds like fun uh I don't know about a, a, like an open-ended series, but nevertheless... Uh, sure. It's
3: showtime,
2: it's show so they can get away with more. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Let's do it. How about you, Jeff?
3: I have this strong feeling like this is the fake pitch, but I, I really want to greenlight it. It, I, it does sound like a kind of a fresh, original
2: idea. All right, that's a green across the board. So we have greenlit two things. We have greenlit Demigod... And we have Greenlit's, uh soundtrack uh, Islands and uh, Revelations got absolutely no votes whatsoever. Those were red lighted across the board. Well, gentlemen, right. do you have a guess as to which one is fake?
1: I, I I'm guessing maybe the Aldous Huxley thing, but I like Jeff. I, I kind of feel the 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 final one that we all liked might actually be the fake one too, which is great. Whoever, if yeah. Uh, Yeah,
0: I don't, I, I would say I myself would divorce red light, green lighting with which one you think might be, I mean, for myself, I would divorce whether I green light or red light from it being fake or not. I'll just decide whether or not I like the pitch. And if it's fake, then well, shit, the people in Hollywood who listen to our show should pick it up. (laughs) Right. But, um, because I actually kind of agree. Soundtrack sounds uh, inventive and cool enough that uh, I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if it was fake. <laughs> right.
3: Yeah, it just sounds a little too good to be, too. Like, a little too creative <laughs> for, for Hollywood television. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, gentlemen, you uh, are yeah. right. Uh, yeah. The, uh, soundtrack was written by Aussie Match Productions Incorporated, limited God Esquire. Damn. Uh-huh. So yes, Oz, Aussie Matt gave us that uh, pitches bitches, and uh, oh. so that one, uh, his company gets the green lights for that one. So good job, Aussie go. Matt. Job. I'm actually going to keep a little tally here at the bottom of who submits and gets a. Uh... Yeah,
0: it actually is a yeah. Like Jeff said, it actually is a good pitch. You know. Yeah. So it figures. This this is probably how it's going to end up going. Yeah. Is <laughs> you know.
2: And, and I will say that a lot of the ones we've received so far, not all of them, have been original ideas of the four. I liked it the best, too. Yeah, it yeah. just
3: seems kind of fresh and original, you know? Yeah. Something yeah. That, that Hollywood has not necessarily been doing a lot of lately. I mean, there are the rare exceptions, but overall, yeah.
2: Which means the other three shows are absolutely, completely, 100% in development right now. Oh, God. Yeah. All right. And and soundtrack the one that deserves development is not.
3: Uh, yeah, that figures. We did a <laughs> that's life.
1: We did a forty hour forty eight hour film that had a little of that in it. It was called Hello Frank, and it was a TV writer, a sitcom writer in hell, and, and he could hear the soundtrack, but he wasn't reacting to it like this. He wasn't he wasn't using it effectively. He was just you know complaining. Just aware. Yeah, he was like, yeah, there would be a laugh. The laugh track would come on. And he drew it That's stop funny. Shut up. Yeah.
0: And I think I think uh, you're bringing up a good point, Andy, because that sounds like the cool hook to this series is when when Todd said he decides
2: to use it. I like that. Yeah. 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 So I tell you what, I, I have nine pitches, bitches in, in the works right here. So there, there, there's plenty more of this to come. And again, if we receive so many, I might do multiple ones per show, depending yep. on how much time that we can de- to devote to Red Light, Green Light. Well, sure.
1: My hat yeah, is really could... off on this one. This one, this one blew it, knocked it out of the park. That was a...
0: You could really, you, Todd, you could really mess with us and, and one day do all pitches, bitches, but not tell us until the end. That's true. As Andy sits there stumbling over himself trying to figure out which one is uh, <laughs> fake.
1: Oh, yeah. So now that we're out of that, about, b- 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 explain this foxing to me because I'm very confused. I thought we were just doing this. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Fox the it, TV it, it's, network. It's, it's like someone about to have sex and going, you know what? Tell me about how how, how IUDs work. That's, uh, yeah. that's interesting <laughs> to me right now. <laughs>
1: Well, yeah, that's an an important thing to
3: know.
2: (laughs) It is true.
3: (laughs) When Disney bought Fox, they only bought the studio. They didn't buy the network. The network is separate. It's still owned by
2: uh, it's owned by he who shall not be named. Yeah, or or the or or the the family that shall not be named. Yeah, Yeah. the other begins with an M. Yeah, (laughs) moist. The moist family.
1: Uh. I, I thought you were talking about the, the Orange family, and I was very confused. I didn't know they'd gotten into media.
2: No, oh, oh, don't worry. Man. That's coming. That's coming. So
0: in other words, we, we, you're still confused.
2: A little <laughs> bit. The,
1: the, the Fox TV network is making a movie or a series.
2: Yes, as they yes. always have. Okay. You know, Firefly. The, <laughs> <laughs> they do shows. Right, right, yeah, right. They brought let, us that's
3: the what Simpsons. Let, let me break it down a little, Andy. All the Fox properties that were television before owned by Disney now. There is now a Fox Television Studios, which has nothing to do with the previous 20th Century Productions. Does that
2: make more sense?
1: Oh, uh, yeah. I think I'm getting it now. <laughs>
2: <Good>. <laughs> Are you getting it? Write it right to us. Comments at Ugly Couch Show. Dot com And of course, if you have any pitches that you want to submit to red light, green light, uh, send it to uh, care of pitches, bitches, comments at uglycowshow.com. And until Andy. next week, I am Master Torgo,
1: 80s Jeff, Commander K, no longer placeholder, fact check Andy.
2: <laughs> and if all goes well next week, we should also have Matt returning to us as well. But Andy, it's so wonderful to have your voice back.
1: Yeah, and hopefully hopefully I'll be off the phone next time.
2: And we'll okay. talk to you next week in Geek.:
1: See, see Jeff, if you just created that, that chart for me with the, all the, uh, the uh, you know the, the crazy person wall chart with the uh, "Who Owns what?" and where's what?" and all that stuff and all the right. yarn going between the signs, And, and just follow. make sure
2: you invert the controls when you put it all together. Uh, I prefer
3: a Venn diagram. <laughs> oh God.
0: And Todd is very happy, Andy's back.) Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh I'm happy to. Hey, what's the first item a weekend geek, man? God fucking damn it!